0: dustin hello hubert all right i want to do something sort of special today i did a bunch of research oh um oh i know i know this is one of those this is one of my master classes okay i'm I'm, I'm sitting i'm settled in all right so i want to talk about three books that were turned into three screen works and they were all written by gillian flynn um Mm -hmm. she gillian flynn's an author she has written three novels. She's working on a fourth. And I I came across her work because of her the adaptations of her work. Um, and so I'm here to make the case that authors, at least some authors, ought to be given priority or they themselves should insist on involvement when their works are adapted to other mediums. Um, as you know, I particularly interested in adaptations of late. Mm-hmm. And so yep. this is part of why. So um, so it started by watching Gone Girl. Nick Dunn, you're probably the
1: most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work. Not for me and Nick. As you all know, my I'm wife, Amy Elliott Elliot Dunn, disappeared three days ago.
0: I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. Has Amy got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does
1: all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type.
0: Just being a good guy, so everybody can see him being a good guy. Well,
1: you really don't like him, do you?
0: All I'm trying to do is be
1: nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. I will practice believing my husband loves me,
0: but I could be wrong. You ever see that guy in the glasses before? Amy's the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. You
1: want to solve Amy's treasure, huh?
0: You seen this girl around here?
1: Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the Volunteer Center. I wanted to help. What'd she want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared, but we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. I feel like I could disappear
0: the hallmark of a sociopath is a lack of empathy amy lost a lot of blood in there then somebody mopped it up why they
1: mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene whatever they found i think it's safe to assume that it's very bad i finally realized i am frightened of my own husband i would draw you as if you're doing a deposition what to say what not to say a trained monkey a trained monkey who doesn't get lethal injections. she's going to eat you alive you assaulted her it's not good enough for you i hit her it's not even close absolutely not i never touched her we now believe Nick is involved in the disappearance of our daughter. Without a body, without a murder weapon, their only hope is a confession. You don't know anything yet? You need to tell me. How was your marriage, Nick? Are you asking me if I killed my wife? Man of my dreams, this man of mine may kill me. What about my son, Nick? This man may kill me in her own words. This man may truly kill me. kill me.
0: You ever hear the expression, The simplest answer is often the correct one.
1: Actually,
0: I've never found that to be true. Gone Girl uh, came out in 2014. Everyone knows Gone Girl, directed by David Fincher, um, mm-hmm. starring Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Rosamund Pike uh, Tyler Perry, Carrie Coon, Neil Patrick Harris. and oh, I
1: forgot Tyler Perry was in that.
0: Yeah. Um, did you see this back when it came out? I did. Okay, I, did. I saw I, it in theaters. I saw it for the first time a few months ago. Mm. I never saw it. I just heard it was really good, and I just never got around to it.
1: I'm pretty sure John and I saw this in theaters. Okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, um, and so the screen, so based on Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn, screenplay by Gillian Flynn. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved Gone Girl. Um, I thought it was a really well done movie. Um only David Fincher can make like a, a nearly 3 hour film where I'm not bored for a single second. <laughs> for yeah. a single second, every yeah. shot is purposeful. It just it's, it's remarkable how he can do that. Yep. Um really really enjoyed uh the tension and just how well crafted the movie is. Um so uh, anyway, it was it was it was it was not only that Gone Girl was so good, but I was struck by how Oh, the screenplay was by the author. And then that's when I realized that Gillian Flynn had written these other things that had also been adapted. And I was like, I've got to do it. I need to study. I need to cross-reference these. Um, yeah. um, but starting with Gone Girl. And so, I've, of course, I've read all three novels. So, I, I went and read Gone Girl. Um, and I really, I really love the book, too. Um, the film... Um, just some quick facts about these things before I reach my final point. This isn't uh, I'm, I'm really just trying to bounce this off you more than anything else, Dustin. But here's what I've okay. found, here's what I've observed. Um, and just sort of stream of consciousness here. The film makes use of the point of view to the point of view device that's the building block of the book, and that is the voiceover by um, Rosamund Pike's character mm-hmm. by um uh Amy. Um yep. No one else, uh, there's chapter, you know, every chapter in Gone Girl is either from Nick or from Amy's point of view. So they're yep. both first person, but the film only takes Amy's voiceover. I don't think it takes, no, it takes, no, there's Ben Affleck too. Never mind. I'm wrong. Um, But it it, it wisely makes use of that Um, mm-hmm. because that's a big part of getting exposition and there's just a whole lot of junk going back in time and revisiting parts of their life and their marriage. And yep. then catching up to the modern and and intercutting with the modern day, like plot of Amy's disappeared. Um, and we need to figure out where she is, where she may have gone, who may have abducted her. And why is the husband, why does the husband seem so clueless or careless about it? Um, so one thing that, that I will say that just off the top of the bat here, that one thing that Flynn does in all three works is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, being that just because we're adapting this to film doesn't mean we need to get rid of um prose like like novelistic elements like excessive voiceover. You and I were taught that voiceover was a crutch um in yep. screenwriting and it really isn't. It just depends on what the story calls for. Yeah. Um and if it's adapted from a book where it heavily uses voiceover or, you know, heavily uses first person point of view, then you you pull that, that that's how we get information across like, you know. Yeah. It's different if it's full of prose and you want to show some stuff because there's there's no way to tell it. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: E- even in college I was like I I think y'all are just <laughs> teaching us that to help us like learn think better, how, yeah. how yeah, how to how to exposit, you know, information without having to, you know, rely on that maybe. But I'm like there there are plenty of movies that utilize voiceover that are as yeah. classics. There's mm-hmm. there's no no reason to like. If good fellas can do it, yeah, you can do it.
0: So yeah, I, I think it's it's an increasingly popular choice with artists who adapt their own work, um, like Flynn, like Gillian Flynn and Neil Druckmann with with The Last of Us. Like anyone who's taking their original creation into a new medium, they recognize that change for the sake of change is not the best direction to go, yeah. and it's it would be you'd rather face the criticism for adapting something straight over than you would yeah. for changing it for the sake of the medium and choosing something worse um, yeah. or not as good as the original. Um, and there's nothing wrong with copying over lines or events verbatim, if that's the best way to tell the story, you know, and you might say like, well, hang on, Connor, you know, like we, I, I've said in the past, like you're meant to consume both things. And so why, why should you, why should you, know, you might think that why should we consume book and movie if it's all the same, but it, it's not all the same. It's just some fundamental stuff is going to be the same. And you only know it's the same if you go back and compare them, which you're unlikely to do, but also shouldn't ruin either work. I saw Gone Girl, the film, before I read the book. And the only reason I regret doing that is that it made my read of the book not as fast because I'm not as like, oh, what's going on? You know, because I know what's going on. But if you read a book first, the feeling of, wait, what's going on? That keeps you turning pages, yeah. Um, but everything else about the book, I was like, oh, I just, I, I was just relishing the writing again and yeah. the character work. And I was just like, they did such a, I, as I'm reading the book, I was like, they did such a good job in the movie with this. Yeah. So if, if novelty is your measurement of quality, then you'll accept anything that's new. Um, mm. And, and that's, that's good. The novel, by the way, along with the film is really good. I, I would, I would buy the novel and read it again. It was really fun to read and uh, I'll say eerily true to my experience as a husband sometimes, as, as sometimes like as the clueless husband, um, yeah. you know, I, I I sympathize with Nick because his major fault is just being disengaged with his wife. You know, it's not that he's a bad person or mm-hmm. a, 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 a malevolent person. It's yep. just that he's checked out. And so, therefore, he just misses all of these cues and is completely open to being manipulated, and um, you know, and 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 having people misinterpret his actions. And it's 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 unfortunate. He just sort of like walks in. Like people have to. His sister has to keep telling him, like, this looks real bad when you don't seem to care that much. And he's like, Yeah, that's just my face. <laughs> it's just right, like, right, it's right. Just like my face is. Yep. Um. Again, very little has changed here. It's as faithful an adaptation as can be. Flynn takes one of the best things about the novel, the prose, the narration, and transfers it to voiceover narration for the screenplay, knowing full well that the unreliable narrators of of both Nick and Amy are crucial to the experience of the story. Um, so that's Gone Girl. I think books and film both excellent. Um, so Gone Girl is not the first thing she wrote. The first thing she wrote was actually Sharp Objects. Well,
1: I said she saw a ghost. I'm not scared of them
0: ghosts, are you?
1: We need to talk about your daughters. One of them is dangerous. The other one's in danger.
0: was then adapted into this hbo miniseries um so this is obviously a different beast here because it's not a film uh it's it's a, it's a it's a what eight i think it's an eight episode miniseries mm-hmm. um which i've also advocated for is a great medium for telling novels because it, yep. you've got the length and again you've got gillian flynn here Uh, in in charge basically. So the miniseries was created by Marty Noxon based on Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. Um, Not all written by Gillian Flynn. Um, In fact, there's only one she has sole credit on, um, but it's, it's, she is heavily involved as a producer, I believe. Um, Sharp Objects is about a reporter who is, who has returned to her terrible little Missouri town um to investigate these child murders, and she has to kind of re just continue to, just to sort of be around her mother who was horribly uh emotionally abusive um for her entire childhood and some crazy and terrible things happen um it's 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 one of those southern town full of self interested rat bastards um and it reminded me a little bit of justified, which I recently watched where it's like you know, if, if Justify gives the South the intellectual treatment, where everyone's like a pretty well-educated, if not criminal, you know, uh, entity, that Sharp Objects reminds us of the darkness and the two-paced depravity of some of these of Southern Gothic storytelling, where it's just like, yeah, we're all acting nice, but like everyone here has a horrible ulterior motive or some something as simple as gossip and how mm. how antagonistic it can it can be as a story element. So the series, mm. having read the book, little has changed from book to series. The series uses voiceover as well, just like in the book. Um, Amy Adams is great in the series, by the way. Um, and so is Patricia Clarkson, who plays her mother, Adora. She's tremendous. Mm. Um, they're 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 fantastic. The series did add some more setups here. Um, there's this big like essentially a Confederate holiday town celebration that they celebrate at Adora's house that, that brings all the main characters actually into one play. And this is a town full of people who are like suspect each other of murder. And so everyone kind of hates each other. And so it creates this really great episode in the set piece where they're all in the same place. And that's Mm. not in the book. Um, Mm. And I thought, Oh, well that was a good addition for the, for the series that adds some drama and some tension and really great interplay with the actors. Um, and it fleshes out the ending, allowing what's essentially the final 20 pages of the book to be an episode. Although the info, I saw the series first, so I I know how it ends, but I was unclear about some things. And so when I read the book, that the book actually makes it a little bit more clear, the exact details of the events that you get in the series. But again, you're supposed to consume both. You're supposed to read both. Um, and anyway, I've got nothing but good things to say about Sharp Objects. So then mm-hmm. there's the third thing. I found out, so I was going to do just Gone Girl and Sharp Objects, and I found out that, that her her second novel, Dark Places, had been mm-hmm. had been adapted as a film. Uh, so then there's Dark Places.
1: Mom has been in trouble. I heard rumors.
0: What kind of rumors? The police are looking for you. There's some serious allegations about your son.
1: Mom, he's a freak. And just go in his room. He's got all sorts of weird stuff. Run! Run! I was eight the night they were killed. <gasps> the little orphan girl of the Kansas Prairie Massacre.
0: It's a real tragedy what happened. Your brother in jail, going on 28 years. If you want to convince me that Ben's innocent, you're wasting your no, time. No, you just got pick your brain about what happened that day.
1: Tell me about this club.
0: We call it the Kill Club. Ex-cops, private investigators. We solve crimes. It's what we do. Go we'll see Ben. It all starts within.
1: What are you talking about,
0: Libby? Ben is innocent. Here comes my little sister after all these years. Go ahead, ask the question. I don't need to ask.
1: I know you killed them. No, I did not. Then why have you never filed for an appeal? <laughs> what do you think they
0: did it's a puzzle. it? Possible. Lots of different theories. It's devil worship. Uh,
1: A liar,
0: it's time to tell the truth. Sad for you, little girl.
1: You're just as imprisoned as I am.
0: I love you, Lippy. Don't you ever forget that? Dark Places is directed by G- Gilles Paquet Brenner, Giles Paquet, a uh, French director. Um, and and screenwriter because he writes the script for this as well. It's based on her book, but he is sole screenwriting credit. The film stars Charlize Theron, Christina Hendricks, Nicholas Holt, Chloe Grace Moretz, Corey Stoll, Ty Sheridan. You got a good cast. Yeah. Uh, Dark Places is about a woman who was the sole survivor of um L, like an axe slaying and axe murdering. Her whole mm. family was murdered. Um, like, what I think she's one of four kids. So, like, she, her, uh, her mother, her two sisters were killed, and, um, the, her brother went to prison for the murder. And mm. so, it's been 30 years. Uh, she's been living off of like the, the well wishing fund or whatever for like, you know, yeah and that has run out. And so, she's hard up for money and she gets approached by this Nicholas Holt character who's like the leader of the, or like of this prominent member of this, like, Murder Lovers Club basically like people who are fascinated with true crime and she comes to yeah. find out that a fair amount of them are are trying to get her brother out of or trying to prove her brother's innocence and she's hmm. spent her whole life like oh, whatever Ben killed our family i hope hmm. they i hope he dies you know and so yeah because they're offering to pay her to look further into this she starts to kind of revisit the crime and starts to and goes and sees her brother in prison and tries to track down her absent father and just tries to talk to people who were connected to the crime um and in the film and also the novel you get regular flashbacks to the final 24 hours before the murder happens Mm-hmm. What's going on with the mom at the time, what's going on with Ben, the brother at the time, and what's going on with this main character, Libby, um, at the time that's sort of shaping uh, the, the you know, the, the town perceiving Ben as this creepy Satan worshiper guy that he may or may not actually be, uh, yeah. why the mom is in such a tight spot. And it's it's in of course present-day plot line. So right. um dark places uh is a good mystery novel the main character isn't really as compelling um but every time I I'll say every time we flash back to 1985 to like the day and the day of before the murder I was like I was just glued to the pages I was locked in I was I really wanted to know everything that was happening to this family because every piece of information they gave me about Ben changes how you're seeing his incarceration in the present day Mm. Um, so I read the I read this one really quickly and again I had not seen the film before I read the movie this time so this read was a lot faster and that that lends to my theory of read first Um, so the director wrote the screenplay here Um, the cast is fine they made some story choices that are fine that that streamline the story a little bit I thought Chloe Moretz was really great casting as this particular character she plays I don't want to say much more about that Nicholas Holt is perfectly cast as this dude, Lyle, this, the the guy who approaches her, this murder whore. Who's just like, I mean, think about him in the, on on the, um, like in the menu a little bit. He's just like, just super knowledgeable, a little bit macabre, um, sick fascination with this stuff. And a little bit, doesn't know how to relate to people too well because he clearly spends his time. Like listening to true crime podcasts and stuff. So it's, it's got a lack of surprise as an adaptation. Um, and as i say if what's new for you isn't the plot it's the choices by the director the production design the performances that kind of stuff is what you're there to see when you see an adaptation and i'll say uh, it, it it does some other things I, again I, without having i'm trying to speak to people who may have seen both who may have consumed both but you're taking jump around storytelling um and they're sort of fleshing out this backstory of Ben and this other character in a lump monologue in the film instead of seated in those little chapters like in the book um in which I understand because you're alternating character chapters versus a subjective present-day point of view from Charlize Theron I get it that makes sense but um I would say the I would say that that's what makes the novel superior here, the to like a film adaptation? Mm. Um, it's not it's not uninteresting. It's just there's there's no levity in the movie um, mm. either. There's it's just straight up like okay like and and I, I couldn't put my finger on what it was. Um, they also ruin the surprise of this. Okay, okay I want to spoil the movie for you, but anyway, there there's a surprise thing that happens by the time you get to the murders, you find out something. On the night, on the chapter that deals with the murders, that's like, oh, there's obviously a big surprise that happens. Yeah, and yep. they spoil that in the movie, sort of before, like as it's happening, like like before it happens. So there's not that mm. surprise element of like, you know, the person who's stabbing the mom is not revealed as it's happening quite mm. yet. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, and I feel like they could have filmed it in a way that didn't betray the identity of the killer right away. You know, once they finally reveal how it unfolded. So I don't know. I just feel like that could have been done in the hands of a more capable director. Like David Fincher could have done that a lot better. Yeah, sure. Um, So my summary here about that was the reason I talk about Dark Places last. It's clearly the one I enjoyed the least, just based on my description of it. I think what it lacks is a director with a distinct visual style. Um, Hmm. It lacks. It also lacks the original author's touch. Um, What works about the other two, about Sharp Objects and Gone Girl, is that. What works was kept in the script and what doesn't was given alternate treatment, not like replacements, but like alternate like scenes still happened, but conversations were changed without changing how the story unfolds. It's just the dialogue is just the dialogue is just different. Sure. Um, but the scene still begins and ends the same way, but it's not like a, you know, but dark places like a by the numbers. Like I just read the book and I'm listening to these scenes and I'm like, I don't think they invented anything new in these scenes. Cause I'm just recognizing all of this dialogue. Um, the most interesting parts of the dialogue are the times where I felt like Charlize Theron was given a little bit of room to improvise and actually say words that matched her, the characterization choices mm-hmm. that she was making. Uh, it, um, and it feels like the choice was to let the director have script credit here solely due to the desire to save money by not having to hire a writer or Flynn herself. And Mm. someone's belief that the story didn't need a heavy adaptation for the screen, that it just needs a director to make visual choices, not to rework the story. And that's where I feel like that's why I make the case for letting the original author, or even in this case, a writer, but What's good about having Gillian Flynn pinning the script or being heavily involved is saying, okay, I recognize that this scene needs to be changed, but it may not need to be heavily changed. It might just need a few like minor tweaks. And yeah. I feel like with Dark Places, and this was made after Gone Girl, so you would think that they go, oh, Gillian, like please write this one too. But yep. for whatever reason, this was A24. Um mm. I don't know and so I don't know if it was just an effort to keep the budget low. I don't know if she was mm. like, "Hey, look, I just wrote gone girl. I got nominated for awards. Like my rate has gone up, baby." Yeah, um yeah. I don't know what happened, but I would imagine that they just made that choice and said, "Look, dude, just put copy and paste the thing into final draft and, yeah. you know, get with the production designer, make some costume choices and just sort of point a camera at this thing." And yeah. and it feels like it was made kind of on the cheap, in mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, yeah. and so I I feel like so I, I enjoyed them all. I mean, I love all the books. I think Gillian Flynn's great. I'll, I'll be reading her next her next um novel, which she's currently writing. And I just I just I like the way she writes. And it seems that when you have a style as distinct as hers, the only reasonable choice when you're adapting that to the screen is to maintain it. And the best way to maintain it is just to approach the author and say, would you be interested in being involved in this project yep. and, and having creative control? And yep. of course the answer would be, Oh yes, of yep. course, you know? Yep. Right. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, I don't really know what my, what my, what my, uh, statement there is, except for mayor. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's interesting. So, uh, a novelist, um, Becoming a screenwriter mm-hmm. is is a is a good thing. Like I agree with you. I, I think I think that if you are adapting somebody's work, the smart thing to do would be to include that person as much as possible. It's their vision after all. Um, I also understand the idea of like a director or a new screenwriter coming in and saying, Yep, yes, you you created that, we'll honor it, but we're gonna put our own stamp on this. Yeah. I understand both. I think that the idea of like, let's put our own stamp on this is ultimately a little bit selfish and a little bit turning somebody else's artistic expression into your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that feels less artistic. Like that feels m- more like self-serving yeah. um, than anything. Um, but, um, but I can understand both sides. Um and and certainly we can point to other situations like fantastic beasts where a novelist doesn't quite have a grasp on how a film should operate sure. um, and and again you know what no fault to to JK Rowling uh, it, she's a fine novelist but that it's a different skill set mm-hmm. right like what you would write in a novel you can describe the sky in a novel and mm-hmm. have it be subtextual to something the character is going through. yeah, and on film, it's really hard to photograph a sky and still convey that message that this is a metaphor for what the character is feeling internally yeah. um without having some exposition or internal monologue or blah 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 um it, it, it's difficult it's not impossible but it's difficult so a good screenwriter a good novelist will then sit down and say okay what i'm trying to get across is you know this internal conflict in the character's mind let me see if i can find another way to um personify that so let me see if i can find another way to exemplify that in the setting in the surroundings in another character w- whatever it may be and um uh, you just have to be careful to do those things because it, it doesn't translate, right? Like I remember way back when we first started the podcast, one of the, uh, early episodes it felt like was Hunger Games. Yeah. And, and, and we had this discussion similarly then with, with the Hunger Games, which I never read the books, but I understand, uh, um, uh, whatever her name, Katniss's character. Yeah. Um, Katniss. Katniss has more of an internal monologue in the books than yeah. in the, in, than in the films. There's nothing like that in the films, and it, it creates a detachment, um, and it created a sense that I don't know the character as well, right. um, in the movie as I they do didn't the books.
0: Externalize that,
1: correct, and so so I think that um, you know being able to take what works in the book story wise, structure wise, you know, the way that it unfolds and then recontextualize it for a film is an important skill and it is not a skill that everybody shares. Um and um but you're i I believe your best course of action would be to go back to the original source, the person who wrote it originally and say, "What are you trying to convey?" Yeah, And what ideas do you have that we can convey, convey that visually? Um, and so, um, so to that end, film and novel are, are two totally separate mediums and the adaptation, the work of the adaptation is to remain as faithful as possible to its source material while, uh, making better use of its, of its new medium, um, it's the same thing like I, I always heard this um when when we were in screenwriting classes is like if you're screenwriting um if what you're writing is an animated film, then it better make use of animation yeah right like like don't just write something that you could film and yeah. call it an animated film you need to make use of the fact that in animation you can be far more uh um a uh, visual than in in live action film. Um, and so, um, it's the same here. If you know, this is going to be a film, a, a series, what have you, then the proper adaptation will take into con take into account its new context and, 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 you know, tell the story through that lens. Um, so, so it's, 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 it's weird because you, you can, you can, like, I can hear people saying both things, right? I can hear mm-hmm. them saying the screenwriter, the the novelist, this is an important thing. And then people saying, but Fantastic Beasts though, right? right? I can, I can totally hear it. Or on the flip side, what if the writer, what if the original writer is dead, right? What right. if you, what if you're adapting, uh, Sherlock Holmes, And Arthur Conan Doyle has been dead for quite some time. Um, How do you, how do you, how do you do that? Like that's another, that's a whole nother beast.
0: But conversely, conversely, a lot of people would say like, there's not been any adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. That's as good as Arthur Conan Doyle's stories for that very reason. It could be like, yeah, no one's done it because they can't, you know, because they, they exist best in the original the original medium in which they were created
1: Right, and I would argue that the closest thing that that we've had is the Benedict Cumberbatch BBC version That's because so they good. bothered to visualize yes. the thought process of this man yep. that Arthur Conan Doyle would would describe the thought process, but now we're going to visualize the thought process, right? Uh, rather than just have him sit down with with his violin and say, "Well, it's simple, dear Watson," and and explain <laughs> it all, yeah, right? We're going to visualize, you know, what he's uh, he's seeing that so close. Up on that quick cut here. Like we're gonna visualize that. Um, but but you know, likewise we can point to Lord of the Rings, where the the author's been dead for quite some time and it worked. Yeah. Or uh or Narnia, right? Like it's, it's difficult to to adapt Narnia because C.S. Lewis isn't around anymore, but it's been done and it's been done pretty well. Yeah. Um, it, you know, but but these these things are um Uh, Well, I mean, and for that matter, we can look at comic book films, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like superhero movies are adaptations from another medium. Um, Oftentimes the original creators have passed and now they're being written by new people. And so uh, 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 comic books are weird because they're adapting somebody else's work for continued storytelling in the same medium. And in many other mediums. Yeah. So, so I'm taking the work of, you know, Siegel and Schuster and writing a new Superman story for comics, but also we're writing a new Superman series and a new Superman movie and a new Superman video game and animation. And that's a weird, that's a weird example, but like. Sure. It's, it's a, you know, you have to what you would write for a comic book, you can't just throw onto a screen and expect it to work. We've seen that done. Ang Lee's Hulk tried it. It didn't work. Um, (laughs) We've also seen, you know, if you adapt a video game, you mentioned The Last of Us. We've seen many video game adaptations that have failed. Yep. Right? So, like, it's... Adaptation is a tricky beast. Yeah. But if you can nail it, I think your best chance at nailing it is to include the original creators as much as possible
0: yeah i mean i mentioned uh, at some point in some recent podcast where i think i also teased this episode that like a prime example of a good middle ground is like you have the harry potter movies where you are heavily involving jk rowling but she is not writing the films. Like yeah. she is, she is consulting with other, like she is, I don't know what capacity she's at. Maybe was she executive producer? I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I think everyone knew she was very involved, but I don't know what her official capacity was. If it was yeah. just trusted friend. Um, But like, yeah. but she was, she was consulted by production design and by the actors and by the mm. director and by, and by the, the screenwriter, like, You know, she was essentially used as a resource, like put me at your disposal. If you have any questions, like ask me and, you know, and, 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 and she was the kind of person who wasn't like rigid about certain things that were in the book that were may not be included or might be changed for the movie. It's more just like, here's the best way to, to translate that idea to this visual medium. And so like, if they don't have like Gillian Flynn, might be a special case because she clearly has acumen for screenwriting. Um, And adapting her own stories and not every, you know, there's a reason that, that a lot of novelists are novelists because they have no interest or maybe even skill or acumen for screenwriting. It is a fairly different discipline uh, when it comes to a skill set. If you're, if you're one of the reasons, Dustin, that I, that I want to try my hand at prose so much these days is because I'm poor at uh, descriptive <laughs> prose. Uh sure. you're much better at that than I am. Um and I have to develop that and screenwriting was not getting me there. <laughs> um mm. because you don't really have to do that too much. Like these days it's yeah. discouraged to to write too much prose in your screenplay. So I was like, "Well, damn it. I, how yeah. do I practice?"
1: <laughs> well, and and that's always that I appreciate the compliment. I um uh that that's always also my weakness, which is I I, I tend to overwrite my mm-hmm. descriptions, right? So like like the 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 pilot that I've just written is too long, mm-hmm. like page count. It's too long. Why? Because I I overly describe things that don't necessarily need that much description, mm-hmm. and um, and, but but um, but yeah, I think so. I think there's a little bit of prose in me, just you know the 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 way that i speak the way that i think um but um but then to to you know uh, uh reward a, a compliment with a compliment your dialogue is way way better than mine <laughs> um and so um i find myself more drawn to screenwriting Mm -hmm. because I want to develop my dialogue, Dialogue, right? And so if I, if I wrote a book, I would certainly not have to stretch that muscle, but I also wouldn't grow, um, or at least that's the fear. Sure. And so, and so, yeah, I, um, I can completely understand your, your plight of like, well, let me, let me move to prose because that's what is, is going to be more difficult for me. So let me do it and let me tackle it.
0: Yeah. yeah, not not that I could write a screenplay just, you know, ba- just based on the strength of my dialogue alone. But like, you know, dialogue requires context and, you know, painting a picture. And it, yeah, it's just so hard for me to do is to, to paint a picture. So anyway, the, the the point being like writers, certain kind of writers have different strengths. And um, it doesn't always mean that someone who writes a really great novel could make a really great screenplay out of it. And obviously the director matters too. like the showrunners of Sharp Objects were great. Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson are great, but I mean the standout among all these adaptations is gone girl, because I think it's really, it's the strongest of the the three novels, but that's also David Fincher. Um, And my God, (laughs) right. Right. It's a really, really, really well done uh, film, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting subject. Again, if I were to, if I were to, to, If I were to speak to anybody in any capacity over stuff like this, it would be, I would want to talk about adaptations because I find, I find the factors that lead when things are adapted. I'm always interested in like, was the original party, are they, is the original party involved? Okay. Yeah. Were they consulted? Okay. Did they know that this was happening? Oh, did they are they okay that this happened or did they fight the adaptation and they couldn't win because they'd lost the rights or something? Like I'm always interested in was the original person to think of this existing and were they involved at all? And then do I like it?
1: Right. You know what, what, what's interesting that you just brought up that like sparked this in me is I, I think, um, you're right. One of one of the key points of a good adaptation is a good director, a skillful mm-hmm. director. That seems like an obvious statement um when I say it that way, but 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 it is true that like if a writer, if a novelist is sitting down and, and painting a picture with words, it's the job of the screenwriter then to paint the picture with words, but it's the job of the uh, director to paint the picture visually yeah. and um, and and you know ultimately sourced down through the dp and blah 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 but but it's the director's vision yeah um, and so um, when when you have if we keep with like harry potter if you have someone like mike newell who directed goblet of fire mm-hmm. um, i think that's the weakest directed of the bunch mm-hmm. um at, at least in in my opinion um, and it's not bad it's just the weakest of sure. the bunch um that 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 that, that translates into a weaker uh, a a weaker film overall than say if David Yates had directed that film. Right. And so um, or or we could take it a step further. It's the difference between, you know, I mean, I'm looking at at Daniel Craig's James Bond run here. Yeah. Right. Like the from director to director, Martin Campbell to whoever did this one um Quash of solace who did this one um, mark, mark forster mark Webb, mark sorry forster. mark forsters <laughs> yeah mark forster the, the 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 difference is well a couple things yeah. one Casino Royale is based on Ian Fleming's novel. Yeah. This Quantum of Solace is, is not based on anything. Right. Um, and the strength of the director yep. pays off here. Yeah. Um, so so there's that. And you carry that on through these other films. Yeah. And you certainly start to see, you know, if you look at like From Russia with Love, also based on Ian Fleming versus something like Spectre, which is not based on Ian Fleming. Then you start to see where this is going Although you also have movies like this, which is not based on Ian Fleming either, and No Time to Die is fantastic.
0: I love, um, I love No Time to so,
1: Die. Yeah, so so it it doesn't. It, you don't have to, but you know, it it's weird. Adaptation is weird because there's no hard fast rule. You could look at the at, at Casino Royale and say, "Hey, uh, so then it needs to be based on the original work, yep. and it needs to have a stylish director." Okay, well, No Time to Die does not check both of those boxes. And it's maybe a better film than Casino
0: Royale. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's my favorite one for arguably. sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, and and I think that, that that goes back to why I think Dark Places just failed to impress me as a film because it's like because I felt like the novel did something great, and and a better director could have could have and if the, and Gillian Flynn if she if she had been involved more heavily, if at all, I feel like would have uh could have made the script more interesting and made more interesting changes to it. And I think yeah. a better director would have looked at the, would have looked at her script and said, oh, like these things, like, you know, these problems that I have with the film probably may not exist because they would go, oh, I, I know how to shoot that. We don't yeah. have to change it. We don't have to yeah. reveal the killer's identity before he even walks in the house. Like, yeah. you know, we can, we can keep the mystery that is so pivotal to why that scene is important in the, in the novel. You know, and I just feel like yeah. this director was, you know, a person who came on and pointed to the camera and and you know made visual choices, but didn't make interesting visual choices or interesting sure. choices. Um, sure. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Anyway, all right. so if if you if if you have not read or seen any of those things, um, check them out. I think. I don't know. HBO was where I saw Sharp Objects and that's because it's an HBO show. I saw H- I saw a Max also was Gone Girl, but I don't know where that is currently. Uh, Dark Places, I had to go to like Redbox Digital. Like it was nowhere. Um, oh, wow. And now I know why. <laughs> because yep. it's, there you it's go. just okay. Yeah. Um, anyways. Okay, cool. Well, that's it. Yay. You're welcome, cool. everybody. Awesome. The good awesome. discussion. Yes. All right. Cheers.
1: Bye. Bye.